0: Good Sunday morning to you. My name's James, and the pastor here at Christ Point. Thanks so much for being with us this morning. I'm going to ask our ushers, if they would, to come forward as we receive the offering. We really believe that everything uh, we have has been given to us by God, and so we have uh, the great joy of giving back uh, to Him. Uh, if you are new here this morning want to encourage you to fill out the connection card that was hopefully on uh, your seat or a seat nearby if you could uh, place that on the table in the back on your way out this morning we'd love to know uh, that you are here and if there's anything that we can do to help you take uh, the next step in your faith journey we would love uh, to hear from you a couple of quick announcements want to remind you that the West Cabarrus Y has a blood drive following the service uh, today if you are here this Morning, interested in giving blood, but maybe you did not sign up. Uh, There's still time. Who's excited about giving blood? (laughs) Right on. Uh, If uh, if you are here this morning and don't want to give blood, I'm so glad that you're here. Uh, I love you too. I also want to let you know that uh, next Sunday evening, Christpoint students will head over to John and Heidi Carrant's house for game night. There's more excitement for games and giving blood. That's okay. That's okay. I also want to remind you that the last Sunday here at the West uh, Cabarrus Y is technically going to be March 31st. That's going to be moving day for us Uh, on April the 7th. We will be at Cox Mill High School, Uh, so be praying for us as we pack our bags, as we prepare uh, to head over to Cox Mill. We're trusting that God uh, would allow us to uh, be a part of uh, a good work at that place and in that community, and so uh, please be praying in the days ahead. It is our desire and passion here at Christ Point to point people uh, to Jesus. We really believe that one of the most effective ways to do that is by experiencing authentic community. And so this morning I have asked a good friend of mine, Brew, that's not his real name, uh, if he would to come uh, up front and uh, just share with you a little bit about uh, the impact that uh, community groups has had in his life and the life of his family. There he is. Yep, there, yep, there he is. There he is. How are you? Good. Good. Nope. Oh, no, uh, don't touch. Learned my lesson last week. Not allowed to hold the mic. Right. Uh, Brew, I just wanted you to take a minute this morning and just share with our church body the impact that, uh, that community, that groups has had in, in your life, and your family's life over the course of the last year.
1: Yeah. Um, so uh, basically for us, uh, we kind of know what it is to be, can you hear me? I might need to
0: hold it. This is clearly a prop. It actually doesn't work. I was just talking to your mic. That would Sorry. be weird. No, no, no. That would be weird. Do that, I really, really want to see if we can get this one to work. Hot mic. Uh, hot mic. Oh, there hot it is. There it is. Yeah, there yes. we go. Can you
1: hear me? Yes. All right. Uh, so basically, we kind of know, uh, Lydia and I and our family, we kind of know what it's, what it's like to be in community. And unfortunately, we know what it's like to be out of the community. Um, we, we were in Spain, lived there for 10 years. Lydia has actually lived longer uh, there. She's from Spain. Um, but we've been, we were in Spain, we were involved in a church that was you know, all about community, and we lived life together. We helped one another, we prayed for each other, we did home groups, and we knew what that looked like. And then we felt God calling us back here to the States, uh, came back to Charlotte probably about five years ago. And uh, coming out of a busy season of ministry, we felt like, you know, it was almost like a sabbatical time for a few months or whatever. But we never, for whatever reason, never got really plugged in. We went to a church, it was a bigger church. Uh, we would go inside uh, to the church, go in, come out. Nobody would say, hey, Brew, Lydia. And that's not on them. It was also on us, too. We weren't putting a lot of effort in that sense um, and because we didn't know what was next. We didn't want to know if we were going to be in that area, uh, that type of thing. But then we came here, um, first time visited, and I was almost, it was almost as possible the same thing could have happened. But uh, the Carters, I don't know where they are. Actually, Jeremy was sitting beside me. Jeremy and Jessica on our way out grabbed us and said, hey, how you doing? You guys new here? And started talking about the kids. And we started a conversation. And was, I call them like the Velcro um, of when we came in and invited us to be part of, you know, what is Christ Point, point. And uh, we started they invite us to home group. We got to know a lot of the people, the Hanes, uh, the Richardsons, the Gordons, the Duns. And started doing home group. And I really saw a difference. God was, it, I felt like I was in a, like a desert before. Like there was something missing and it was just not right. And then you come back in It just felt like it was right. It was what God has called us to do is to be in community, uh, with one another. Um, and this past year we were moving and I was thinking, Lydia, there's no way we can do all this that we got to do. Um, we can't move all this stuff. And, and before, without even asking all these people I mentioned and others said, brew, we want to help. What can we do? And then I was like, all right, well, I just sent out a text and, uh, everybody came out. of think it was like, 14, 15 people. We had childcare, and and it was just amazing. And It blessed my heart um, because it's also we get to grow every other week when we do home group. We laugh together, we pray together, we cry together. We say, "Hey, I'm, we're struggling." It's authentic. Like I need y'all to pray for us, and you feel like you have support there. And that's kind of what happened. And and then also externally, um, not just for our family, but I had people that were not part of the church, and they came from like 40 minutes away. Family and friends came to that day of moving. And when everybody left, after, we did it in like two, two and a half hours, something crazy. Uh, we had time to break bread together and talk and stuff. When they left, the person that's not part of the community said, I need that. that what you have there and those people and the way they act and they're, it's just healthy, I need that. And, I, and obviously I would invite that person. They live, in, but that person lives farther away. But he said, I need that. And I think naturally we were pointing people to Christ. And I think you know, as you think about, it, I was telling Lydia, you know, the one we want to point people to is Christ, right? And whether you look at eternity, He was always in community—God the Father, Holy Spirit. There was always that community. And then there was time on Earth. He had His disciples. He was in community. So no matter how you cut it, the one we're trying to point Jesus to shows us, hey, if you want to be like me, you got to be in community. And I don't think we can be exactly who God wants us to be or has that calling on our life until we follow Him in that. And I could be a testimony to that. I wasn't the brew that I think God had for me while I was out of community. And uh, it's made an impact on us. So that's a little bit about what community is for us.
0: Yeah, we're so grateful that God has allowed you to be part of, of our community. And one of our hopes and prayers as a church is that we would, uh, that we would be that Velcro uh, for, for others. And so, uh, so thanks so much for sharing your story with us. You. Love you, brother man. You, man. you did great, you. You. especially when we turned the mic on. Oh, that's fun. Um, statistics that I recently made up uh, show that currently eight out of ten children have the flu. And I don't know if you're here this morning. Do you know anyone who has had the flu? Yes. Has anyone here? D- does anyone here currently have the flu? <laughs> right. Because we were just going to ask you to leave. Um, yeah, I'm. I'm not. I'm not a big fan of sickness. Uh, i I suspect that you aren 't either i don't i don 't see eye to eye with sickness I have a like a hate hate relationship with sickness i don 't like to hang out with the common cold uh, i don 't i don 't like text sore throat uh, viruses stuff that happens here head colds don 't want anything to do with i don 't vacation with the flu uh, I want to keep my distance from any in all sickness. Some people who know me uh, may call me a pansy. That's fine. Uh, I don't like uh, being sick. As a matter of fact, uh, because I have the gift of mercy, in our house, when uh, someone gets sick, my first response, very lovingly, is always to say, boy, I hope I don't get it, right? <laughs> To which Melissa will always reply, uh, James, this isn't about you, Because I have a tendency to take something that's not about me and to make it about me. To think this is not a good week for me to get sick. I have a lot to do. I have meetings. I have things that I want to accomplish. And Melissa will very kindly and gently remind me, James, this is not uh, about you. You know, I think sometimes we do the same thing uh, with the Bible. We do the same thing with the Bible. Someone once said that the Bible is for us, but it's not about us. Um, The Bible is for us, uh, but it is not about us. At Christ's point, we say that it's our mission, it's our desire, it's our passion to point people to Jesus. And so this morning, as we open up the Word together, I I want us to, to think together about what the Word teaches us or says to us about Christ. And so if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to Mark chapter 14, Mark chapter 14, and we will uh, begin in verse 26. Mark chapter 14, uh, beginning in verse 26. It says, And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. And Jesus said to them, Uh, You will all fall away. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep will be scattered. But after I am raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. Galilee. Peter said to him, even though they all fall away, I will not. And Jesus said to him, truly I tell you, this very night before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. But Peter said emphatically, if I must die with you, I will not deny you. And they all said the same One of the first things that we uh, realize about the life of Christ that we're going to see developed in this story is that uh, Jesus suffered alone. Jesus suffered alone. The words of Jesus here in Mark chapter 14 are sobering when he looks to his disciples and says to them, "Uh, you will all fall away. It should be pointed out that the disciples were not some wishy-washy, uncommitted uh, group of followers on the fringe in the life of Christ. Uh, The disciples were those who were closest to Him. Uh, The disciples were the ones that you would think when push comes to shove, when things went sideways, uh, they would be the ones that, that Jesus could rely on. Uh, They would be the ones who were there with him uh, through thick and thin. And yet Jesus says to his disciples, uh, You uh, will all fall away. You will all deny me. Sometimes when I read scripture, I try to imagine what it would be like to be in the story. And oftentimes I like to pretend for just a moment that I would be different. Right, that Jesus would look at the ragtag group of disciples and say, you will all fall away, but then our eyes would meet, and he would say, except for you, James. <laughs> Everyone else is going to roll out, but you'll stick around. You'll be different. Right? You'll be bold. You won't crumble in fear. I can count on you, and yet I know that if this were me, that I would be included in the all. I would be included in the all. Recently, just a couple weeks ago, I was talking to a friend after uh, my son's soccer practice, and he told me that a pastor who he had worked with for a number of years, a well-known pastor with a growing ministry, uh, had uh, had a fall. Right, there were issues with his leadership style. He ruffled some feathers, and as the story played out, as it often does, uh, he was asked uh, to leave uh, the ministry. Uh, when he first mentioned his name and said to me who it was, I thought to uh, myself, I'm not surprised. I, of course, don't know the man Uh, But in my mind, I thought I knew enough of him to actually say that. Well, I'm not surprised. It oftentimes happens with people like this. These strong leaders, they make waves and there's a ripple effect. And then eventually they're asked to step aside. Have you ever found yourself in a situation like that when you catch wind uh, that someone who had been close to Jesus had fallen away to Jesus and instead of your heart being broken, you said to yourself, well, I'm not surprised. Have you ever thought to yourself, well, I cannot believe that he did fill in the blank. I'm not shocked to hear about her Did you hear what happened recently? There's something about those stories where we love to to interject ourselves into them and and share our two cents. We we maybe don't act so surprised when we hear that uh, yet another person has fallen away and yet I wonder to myself if what shouldn't surprise us is that that person isn't us. Jesus looked at the disciples and said, you will all fall away. I don't know about you, but I often like to think of myself in the shoes of the Apostle Peter. And I think that I probably would respond to Jesus' words in much the same way that he did. He said in verse 29, even though they all fall away, I will not. Jesus is like, everyone's going to fall away. Peter, as only Peter can do, immediately pushes back, and he's like, you can count on me, Jesus. And Jesus said to him, truly, I tell you, this very night before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. And so he tells him again, no, you're going to deny me. All, all will fall away. But Peter as only Peter could do, digs his heels in and says emphatically, "If I must die with you, I will not deny you." And the disciples all said the same. They said, "Hey, we're we're with Peter, right?" So there's this back and forth. Jesus is like, "You're all gonna roll out," and Peter's like, "I'm not. <laughs> you can count on me. I'm not going anywhere." And Jesus is like, "No, no, you're rolling out." And Peter goes, "No." Oh no, <laughs> Contrary, you can count on me. And all the disciples with Peter go, yep, yep, we're with Peter. You can count on us, Jesus. Right? You want to put yourself in spiritual danger in the Christian life, then have the mindset of Peter. Assume that it can't happen to you. Assume that you'll be the one that sticks by Jesus. Uh, assume when you hear the stories that those are always stories about people who are a little more immature than you or not as godly as you or not as sanctified as you. Uh, Walk around and over-promise to Jesus and watch as you under-deliver. This is what happened uh, for Peter in his... And the, and the disciples of Jesus. Jesus said, you will, you will all fall away. And Peter said, uh, no, we won't. Uh, and, and yet, I can't help but thinking, if we were honest with ourselves, uh, some version of this has already taken place in our hearts and in our lives, has it not? I mean, I, I know the story would be different. I know the cir- circumstances and situations would be uh, unique. But isn't there some decision uh, that you've made? Isn't there some deed that you've done? Isn't there some thought that you in your mind have, have entertained that if it were to be plastered uh, across the television screen or written down on paper or put in a blog post for the world to see, that it would uh, cause you and me to be... Be a little, <laughs> a little uncomfortable. I mean, if you think about your worst moment and you imagine for a second the world knew about it, you probably would experience uh, some sense of, of shame, or at least it would make you blush just a little, or perhaps you would want uh, to hide. Uh, we are reminded in this story of the universal need that we as humans have. Um, outside of ourselves we are desperate uh, for help right we're desperate uh, for help the disciples didn't need another pep talk uh, from Jesus they didn't need just a scotch more discipline or a little more head down determination Uh, they needed a savior they needed a savior and we do too we do too and we, we are desperate for help outside of ourselves we are desperate for a savior and the very very good news is that Jesus was just uh, the god man for the job right he he came uh, to save us from ourselves he came to save the peters of uh, the world that have a tendency to overpromise and underdeliver uh, he came to save those like the disciples who have a tendency to be gripped by fear and at times can be unreliable. He came uh, to save people uh, like you and people like me. He suffered uh, for us, uh, and uh, we see in the text that Jesus suffered alone. Right? He suffered alone, but He didn't suffer uh, by accident His suffering was not by accident. We see in the text that God is sovereign in suffering. God is sovereign in suffering. Look at verse 27 of Mark chapter 14. It says, And Jesus said to them, You will all fall away, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. Jesus quotes a passage from Zechariah chapter 13 verse 7 that reads awake o sword against my shepherd against the man who stands next to me declares the lord of hosts strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered i will turn my hand against the little ones the suffering of jesus we see in scripture was not an accident Uh, jesus is described as the lamb who was slain before the foundation of the world this was part of God's plan. This was not simply the result of uh, some uh, power hungry, bloodthirsty leaders who could not be stopped. It's not as if God had walked away from his heavenly desk or took some personal time off to simply get away and collect his thoughts. He was not surprised by this. This uh, was part of his plan was part of his plan god took the evil desires and intentions of jewish religious leaders and powerful roman authorities and he worked for his ultimate glory and for our good so think about this for a moment what if what if we are not simply victims Of suffering, but in some way uh, we are shaped by God through our suffering. I mean, maybe, just maybe, God can be trusted in our sickness. Maybe, just maybe, God is reliable in our loss. Maybe, just maybe, God is still holy in our hardship. Could it be that God is still good in our grief? God took the greatest tragedy in all of human history and turned it into the greatest triumph. Uh, That is not simply church speak. That is how it played out. I am not suggesting, uh, for those of us who are suffering, for those of us who have suffered, I am not suggesting that we should operate with some kind of fake oblivious to reality, conjured up, make-believe joy. I'm not suggesting that. We are human beings, which means we grieve, we lament, and we weep. We do all of those things. We live life in a fallen world, and we do all of those things as loved children of a gracious and good and merciful God who meets us. Right, a God whose son is described as a man of sorrows who was acquainted with grief. Right, Jesus suffered unspeakable pain, but there was purpose in his pain. I love what Jesus says next in Matthew chapter four or Mark chapter 14. He says, But after I am raised up. I will go before you in Galilee. So Jesus just told his disciples, listen, uh, you'll all fall away, right? The, the shepherd is going to be struck. You will scattered, Afraid cats. You're, you're going you're gonna to go out. You're going to be afraid. And then it's almost as if there's this parentheses in the story. I don't think it's the, the main point of the story or the main purpose. It is It is this uh, this word of hope, though, that we find uh, in the midst of the story. Jesus says, but after I am raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. Right? This is where Jesus first called the disciples. And this is where he will meet with them again before uh, he, he reclaims them and recommissions them for the gospel ministry. So Jesus says, listen, I'm going to be struck down. You guys are going to fall away. Everyone's going to scatter. Oh, and by the way, when I rise, I'm going to go back to Galilee. You'll see me there. I'll meet back up with you. And Jesus is going to come alongside this group of men who had just failed miserably, and he's going to send them out with the gospel and say, go to the ends of the earth. These are the kinds of people that God chooses for, for gospel ministry right, people with stories, uh, people that have a past, people who have done stuff that they regret or they wish they could take back. We're reminded here that past faithlessness doesn't disqualify you and me from future fruitfulness, right? Past faithlessness does not disqualify you and me from future uh, fruitfulness, That doesn't mean that there are not consequences to our actions. We we know that there are consequences to our actions, right? We we know this intrinsically at our core, right? If you serve time for money laundering, they might not ask you to to take care of the books at your next gig, right? If you have a tendency to share everything, everything on Facebook, the U.S. government is probably not going to entrust you uh, with secrets, Right? You might not be the man or the woman for the job. I'm not saying that there are not consequences to our actions. There are. But listen, our, our mistakes, our sin, our story does not disqualify us from future gospel ministry. In fact, God often takes our very worst moments in life to form and shape us so we can minister out of that brokenness. It's really a beautiful thing. There's tons of gospel hope right here. So just because you can point to a time in life when you blew it doesn't mean that God is done with you doesn't mean that God's done with you. Just because you have a past or a few skeletons in the closet or you are hopeful that there are certain people that didn't take pictures of you 20, 30, or 40 years ago to blast on social media, right? just because uh, there are things that you have done doesn't mean that God is uh, done uh, with you. Right? So, so he gives massive hope uh, to his uh, disciples. He says... Uh, you all fall away. Um, I'll be struck down. You will be scattered. And uh, we're going to meet back up. We're going to meet back up. And I'm, I'm going to send you out on a mission to take the gospel uh, to the ends of the earth. Uh, Jesus uh, suffered for sinners. Uh, God is sovereign in our suffering. And lastly, we see that Jesus submitted uh, to the Father in his suffering. Jesus submitted to the Father in his suffering. Look at verse 32. This is a Jesus in the garden. This might be a familiar story uh, to some of us. Perhaps if you're new to the church, this is brand new. You haven't read it before. Uh, Mark 14 verse 32 says, "...and they went to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, sit here while I pray." And he took with him Peter and James and John and began to be greatly distressed and troubled. He said to them, My soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch. And going a little further, he fell to the ground and he prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. Gethsemane means oil press. Right? Scholars believe that Jesus likely found himself uh, in a garden that was owned by a wealthy acquaintance. If you were to visit Israel, you could uh, go to the place where some people suggest uh, Jesus may have been and, and prayed. I had an opportunity to see this place just a couple of years ago. It is a, a place of great uh, reflection uh, when you. Are there? Jesus left his disciples, we're told, moved into the garden, pressed into uh, the garden. This was a, a, just a time of a loneliness and suffering uh, for Christ. Hebrews 5, 7 says, In the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death. Right? Jesus prayed again and again, that if possible, the hour or the, the cup uh, might, be, might be passed or might uh, be avoided. We see glimpses here of Jesus' humanity. Jesus was on a desk door and he prayed to his father like, hey, if there's a, if there's a plan B, if, if, there's a, if there's another way, Lord, Lord please, and yet, in the midst of that, there's this humble submission, yet not my will, but your will be done. The cup that Jesus uh, refers to is a, is a metaphor for uh, for death, for God's wrath being poured out. The wrath of God that we uh, deserve, that should have rightfully been poured out on us was, poured out on his son Jesus. 2 Corinthians 5.21, a passage that Melissa shared earlier this morning, says, for our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Galatians 3.13, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. Despite the unthinkable and and unimaginable pain experienced by Christ, there still was unconditional submission uh, to the Father. We see this play out over and over and over again in the life of Christ. Uh, Jesus said in John chapter 4, verse 34, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Jesus was the most mission-minded man ever to walk the face of the planet. He's like, God has given me a work to do and I'm doing it. Nothing's getting in my way. John 6, 38, For I have come down from heaven, not to do my will, but to do the will of Him who sent me. Right? We, don't, we don't naturally respond this way. We, we are not a people who naturally love submission. Right? We love independence. We love calling the shots. We love being the captain of our own ship. Uh, we don't like it when people tell us what to do. None of us do. Have you ever heard a teenager before who approaches their parents and says, hey, I just want to tell you, I really, really, really appreciate um, all of the rules that you have in our house and the limitations that you've made upon my freedom. I want to thank you. They're so good. If you want to add some more, please let me know. I would love to hear from you. No, like we rebel. You say, be home at 12. I'm thinking 12.30 would be better. Maybe one. You say, clean your room. We're like, I can think of a few other things I would rather do. I don't want to do that. Or you don't hear stories in the workplace about people randomly gathering together and buying t-shirts that read, I love my boss. We don't do that. I mean, we're, we don't naturally submit. No one has ever said, I think the new rules that the HOA made are great. We, we're rebellious. Jesus wasn't. He submitted to his father perfectly. When faced with suffering, he didn't buckle or bolt. He bent a knee. His prayer was authentic, it was raw, it was real. He's like, hey, I'm open to plan B, but, but God, not my will, but your will be done. Jesus suffered alone. Uh, God was sovereign in his suffering, and Jesus submitted in his suffering. I said this morning that the Bible is for us, but it's not about us, and I believe that that's true. I believe that the Bible is a for us, but it's not about us, but uh, <laughs> it's for us. And so there are, there are things that we read and things that we uh, learn that, that matter to us and that apply to us and meet us in our time of need. One of the things that I'm reminded of, even in, in considering and dwelling upon the faithfulness of Christ in the midst of suffering, is that in our sin and suffering, we can run to God. And in our sin and in our suffering, uh, we uh, can run uh, to God. There is a universal need that we have for Christ. We're so desperate for Him. We cannot figure life out on our own. Uh, we never, never, never arrive. There is never a point in time in our lives where we are beyond uh, the need for God's grace. And we're so desperate for Him. And what's beautiful is that in our sin, even though we are ones who have all fallen away, uh, God invites us, uh, because of the finished work of Jesus, uh, to come back. To come uh, to Him. That's true in our sin. It's also true in our suffering. In our suffering, uh, we can run to God. He gets it. He understands. He's not oblivious to what we are going through. So in suffering, uh, we can trust God. In our suffering, we uh, can trust God. That does not mean that we will always understand why it is we are experiencing suffering. I wish that I could say that every time there is a season of suffering in life, we can always look back and connect the dots in our minds and go, well, I know why that happened. I understand now. It all makes sense to me. I see clearly what the God of the universe was doing. Not always. Right? Sometimes we face things in life, sometimes we walk through suffering in life, and we go, I don't... I don't understand what God was doing. It is beyond my pay grade. I do not understand. When I come from a, a family that has suffered, some of those closest to me have suffered from mental illness. Uh, since I was a little kid, a little kid, I've been I've been praying for healing. I've been praying that God would deliver people I love. Uh, and yet I see the impact and the consequences that that has had in people's lives closest to me, both their lives and the lives of those uh, around them and around me. And I wish that I could stand here today and go, it all makes sense to me. (laughs) I'm 40 now, after all. (laughs) I've figured it all out. Guess what? I haven't figured it all out. I don't know. It doesn't all make sense to me. There are times when I still pray, "Uh, Lord, if I have my choice... Uh, I would like healing over here. I would like deliverance over here. I would like to see you work over here. And yet I I, I don't always see that. But one of the things that I am growing uh, to understand is that despite the fact it doesn't all make sense to me, God can still be trusted. God doesn't mess with his kids. Doesn't mess with his kids. He's not screwing with you. He is the God of the universe. He loves you with a perfect love. He has not forgotten you. He hasn't turned his back on you. That does not mean that his plan always makes sense, but God is still good, and God can still be trusted. And so we still can come to him, and in our suffering, we can submit to him. Jesus, I think of the way that Jesus Uh, operated and responded in this moment is something that you and I uh, can can do in our lives as well. I I think we can, in our suffering, go to God and say, God, I do not understand this. I don't have all the answers. I really, really would like for you to change this or fix it. Please. Like, if if there's a plan B, I think God can handle that. I think we can take our heart's cry to Him and cry out just like Jesus did and say, God, I want you to move and I want you to act. And yet, in the midst of that, there's this beautiful submission from God the Son to God the Father when he goes, yet not my will, but your will be done. I don't, I don't think that that's somehow giving God a, an out I don't think that's a, that's a cop-out. Like, I want, you to, I want you to do something here, but if you don't, not my will, but your will be done. I think that's just a heart cry that says, you're God and I'm not. And so I'm giving it over to you. Right, so I, I read this passage and I, and I see... Um, I see clearly the way that Jesus operated who uh, He was, His faithfulness in the midst of, of suffering, his faithful sacrifice. And yet I can't help but wonder if there aren't um, aspects of this or times where we go, "Hey, this, this applies to me." This is significant to me. And so this morning, I just want to give you uh, some space to, uh, to consider. And ponder and think about these ideas. Like I wonder, maybe this morning you're here and uh, you're walking through a season of suffering. Maybe, maybe you're wrestling with sin in your heart and in your life right now that nobody else knows about. I want you to just take some time and, and just cry out to God in the quietness of your seat and just say, God, would, would you meet me? He knows your story better than you do. He knows your heart better than you do. Just cry out to him and say, God, would you, would you meet me? maybe you're here this morning and you're going through a season of suffering that doesn't make sense to you and you just, man, you're just begging God to show up. You're going, God, would you, like, would you help? I don't understand what you're doing. I don't know what you're doing, but but God, I, I want to trust you. Maybe your prayer is, God, I don't know if I trust you, but I want to trust you. I want to want to trust you. So help me trust you. Maybe you're here this morning and God's going, just just submit. Just submit. Cry out. Ask God to move. Ask God to act. And then say, God, I'm, I'm giving it to you. I'm just going to give it over to you. So meet me in my need right here and right now. So we're going to do that. Would you would you pray? Would you just bow your heads in prayer and just spend some time with the Lord? I'm going to ask our, our team to come up, our worship team to come up. They're going to play for a couple minutes. I'll pray for us at, at the end, but just, I'll just spend some time in the quietness talking to God. Father God, we thank you for your faithful son. Thank thank you for his obedience in uh, life and in his death. God, I give you thanks this morning that in our sin and in our suffering that we can run uh, to you, that we can experience uh, forgiveness, that we can receive the help that we're so uh, desperate for and in need of. God, I thank you that uh, that you can be trusted, that you are a sovereign God, that you do not sit in the heavens with uh, your hands tied. I thank you that even when we don't fully understand or comprehend, that we can trust uh, you, that your plan is good, that you work for uh, your glory and for our good. God, as we face uh, perhaps seasons of suffering this morning, hardship and life, challenges. Uh, Lord, we humbly come before you and we would ask that you would move and act uh, according to your good and perfect world. Lord, we, we pray that uh, for those who are sick, that you would bring healing, for those uh, who feel alone, that you would bring comfort in a community, for, uh, for those who are experiencing hardships, that they uh, would find uh, your, your holiness Uh, and your goodness uh, to be good for them. God, thank you so much for uh, for being approachable. Thank you that we can come before you, that you long to hear from your kids. Thank you for being a listening father. God, we love you. We thank you so much for loving us first. We pray these things in the good name of Jesus and by your spirit. Amen.